This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Tanhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. Bright sunny day. How's your day going? It's going good. This morning was really bizarre. I don't know if you were out and about, you know, before like nine o'clock, but it was it was like sleepy hollow all of a sudden. Yeah, I took the dog for a walk down in Sister Bay and it was you could not tell the difference between the water and the sky, the, the fog was just a thick pea soup. Yeah, uh, I was driving in that this morning. Luckily, it wasn't too bad. The further north you go, it seemed like it was it was pretty okay. But like coming out of coming out of Egg Harbor was pretty wild. So we have some stuff to talk about. Uh, if you listen to yesterday's episode, uh, we had some things that we kind of alluded to, knowing that we were going to have more information on things today. Uh, I think the first thing to talk about is the safer at home order across Wisconsin was struck down on Wednesday evening. Yesterday, we had some questions about what was going to happen at a county level. And yesterday, the county met and extended the safer at home order until May 20th, correct? That's next Wednesday. Yeah, and that's technically not a county board decision. That is a order from the local um, Department of Health Services, Public Health Department, Sue Powers. So it's not something the county board even votes on. That comes from the health department. And that's how hmm. it's working in all 72 counties. Um, by striking down the safer at home order, um, as one official told me today, it's basically chaos. <laughs> um, sure. So every county, any orders they have will be coming out from their individual public health official. It's crazy here. It's left people with a ton of questions. But at least, as one person said today, John Jarosz goes, well, at least we're not Wisconsin Dells, where their community really stretches over four different counties. Sure. <laughs> and with, that might have four different orders. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw people taking immediate action right away. So right after the order was, was struck down on Wednesday, you saw... Some people extending their orders right away. Kenosha extended their orders and then subsequently unextended their order today. Um, it, it's kind of all over the place. But indoor County, the safer at home order, pretty much as it stood before, is continuing on to Wednesday, May 20th. Correct? Is that is that how you're understanding it as well? Yep. It goes through May 20th. And as with that extension, it basically is everything the same, the enforcement is the same, restaurant rules are the same. Um, and then on the 21st, it all changes. Unless they were to extend it, but I don't get the indication they will. All indications are that anything after the 20th will be issued as guidelines, which are not enforceable the same way that an order is. Like technically you could be fined if you violate the order as it stands right now. On the 21st, right. it's basically suggestions. Um, so. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting how the next week plays out. And I know that businesses and communities, municipalities, village board, city council members, they all have questions about what this actually means and what they're supposed to communicate to residents and business owners. And there's no clarity um, from the right. state. Hey, it's Andrew from the future. As I was editing this episode, I received word that Brown County has rescinded their safer at home order because it seems that counties are being advised that any extensions of the safer at home order would be under the same legal scrutiny as the statewide order was. So by the time this episode airs, you might be seeing more and more counties pulling back. 
Miles was able to get a hold of Dave Lee now, and he assured Miles that there are no plans to resend the Safer at Home order in Door County, uh, so that should stay in place through May 20th. But if anything changes on that, we will report on it on our Facebook page at Peninsula Pulse and also at DoorCountyPulse.com. So uh, if that has changed at any point between now and when this goes up, uh, you'll be able to see it there. But I just wanted to jump in and give the word that while you are seeing many counties pulling back, Door County is going to continue their safer at home order until May 20th, as of the time of my recording this. So with that, I'll jump back into the episode. There, there are people working on this at a county level, right? So the hope is that official guidelines from the county level will be decided upon and will be issued no later than Wednesday the 20th, correct? So hopefully when this is lifted, we will have concrete guidelines to help people figure things out, right? I, I would exp- Indications are that those, what businesses should do is based on what, what I've been told is based on the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation guidelines um, that came out about a week ago. So they should expect it, the guidelines to look very much like those. There might be some small local tweaks, but that's the expectation. I talked to two different lodging facilities yesterday. One does not plan to open until June 4th. They're sticking to their plan. There's another that even if they could be open today and could be open for Memorial Day, they said, we're not doing it. We're going to open after Memorial Day. We're going to isolate a couple of staff members, bring in a couple of others, see what happens. And they, the, the, the ones I talked to expect that they anticipate like having this rolling, we might be shut down in a couple of weeks as an individual business or community just because these people are scared that there's going to be a significant outbreak. And rightfully right. so. I mean, our cases go up. They're at, they were at 29 yesterday. They're still tracking a lot of other tests that are out there and still doing a lot of contact tracing. Um, we now have three cases at Bay Shipbuilding, Culver's, McDonald's. That there's just a lot more contact tracing that now has to go on from the public health department. Right. I believe there are 133 tests pending as of yesterday. So, of course, we've talked about on the podcast plenty of times that the more tests that are performed, the more positive cases you're going to find. Like, that's just a given. Uh, So while numbers going up indicate more tests are being performed, more tests being performed is a good thing. Uh, But I, I would... I would wager that you're going to see a bigger spike in cases coming probably three weeks from now once things start to ramp up. I, I know that you'll see it in Wisconsin probably two weeks from now as people are heading back out to bars and restaurants and that kind of thing right now. Yeah. The other thing that happened yesterday was some municipalities have extended their emergency orders. That is different than the safer at home order, and it's different from the county extending the safer at home order. So for instance, Sister Bay extended their emergency declaration till June 30th. And that does not mean that Sister Bay businesses are closed until June 30th. It just it means that they have the ability to to do certain things. Can you explain what an emergency declaration does a little bit for me, Miles? Well, there's a couple of aspects to it. It gives you some emergency powers. In, in essence, like when you, as Randy Nesbitt explained this when Sister Bay first declared it back in March, was it's a very powerful tool that allows you to do a lot of things in terms of shutting down, temporarily shutting down businesses or parks or um, kind of just short of martial law. I, I mean, they don't have police power. They, like they don't have a local police department in Sister Bay. But as a village, you can, it gives you a lot of power to wide latitude to do a lot of different things. But it also makes sure that if anything happens during that emergency declaration period, it does help you if there ends up being some sort of federal or state funding to help villages out down the road. 
and reimburse them for expenses incurred as a result of this emergency, then they it helps them with the eligibility to to recoup some of those funds. So part of it is a is a budgeting thing and a fail safe on that front. Um, it also gives them if they feel like let's say they were for whatever reason let's say tomorrow my house in Liberty Grove has 15 cases associated with it, and if my house were a business, they could come in and they have the ability to do some local control and sh- and shut me down or shut down associated businesses or something like that. So it, it gives them some latitude in case something happens. It does not mean that Safer at Home is extended in Sister Bay through June 30th, unless they were to take some specific action. Um, So when they first declared a state of emergency in Sister Bay, one of the things they did is they closed the parks, they banned gatherings in in the parks and use of the playground equipment and use of the basketball court because they wanted to discourage people from gathering at all. They didn't want to give any signs that they were encouraging people to gather while they got a hold on what was happening in the county. Um, So that's kind of how it could be used. They could do that, but they haven't. So just to be clear, like Sister Bay, Liberty Grove, as of right now, are operating kind of in the same realm as the rest of the county and whatever version of the rest of the state. (laughs) Right. So uh, again, to recap, the county extended the Safer at Home order till next Wednesday, May 20th. So things are going to continue as they have been the last two months in Door County until then. Hopefully when that Safer at Home order is lifted, we will have some pretty concrete guidelines in place. Uh, of course, we have the ones that were that were given out a couple of weeks ago, and there are links to those guidelines at doorcountypulse.com. Uh, but hopefully we'll see some more concrete ones at a local level as well. Uh, and then the municipalities extending their emergency declarations has nothing to do with the Safer at Home order. So if you were worried that Sister Bay was going to be shut down until June 30th. That's not exactly what that means. Uh, is there anything else that we need to kind of clarify or talk about in terms of the safer at home order or anything that went down yesterday before we talk about some other stuff this week? Um, I would just say like, I, I'll do my best to try and get more information and clarity as I can find it in terms of what businesses can expect. Um, there are a lot of question marks about like a lot of the focus on so far has been what can happen inside restaurants, but what about outdoor dining areas and outdoor bar type areas? Like what is the enforcement going to be there? I'm, I'm picturing people driving through Sister Bay and seeing a big gathering at the garage and calling the police. Well, on May 22nd, that right. might not be like part of our job, I think, on this podcast and in the paper is to try and find as much clarity as we can to give other people those tools. Because the last thing you want is 40 people calling the the village president or the police department saying these people have a huge gathering out there. It's illegal when in fact it's allowed. And so trying to find out exactly what's allowed so people can kind of police themselves. And it might be the case that like if a random business decides they're going to, they're okay with a thousand people there, that that might be totally legal. It might not be advised, but it might be totally legal. And you, you just have to make the choice not to, to go there if, if right. you don't feel safe. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll be keeping an eye on that as things unfold. Uh, we had talked yesterday about just seeing how this weekend was going to go, but it looks like we, we've got until Wednesday to kind of figure things out. So hopefully yeah. that's what is happening, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to move forward come May 20th. Even though like we don't know what's going to shake out, I would say anybody coming up here, whether you're coming to a seasonal second home or you're coming up here to stay in a resort or you're, li- you're listening to this podcast, on a day trip, I would bring your mask because a lot of businesses, regardless of anything that's sent down, are asking and recommending that you wear a mask. Public Health Department is recommending that. Door County Medical Center is recommending that. And there are many businesses that will not serve you unless you're wearing a mask. And that is 
their choice. And I would encourage everybody to respect that decision. And if you want to go to that place, you, you just should just have that. If you want to have all your as many options open to you as possible, you should have your mask with you and ready to go. Right. Uh, speaking of masks, Dr. Jim Heiss, who we've talked to on the podcast a couple of times uh, over at Door County Medical Center, actually put out a pretty cool video about how to wear a mask correctly. It's actually pretty funny as well. I didn't realize that Jim was actually a really funny guy until I had watched <laughs> this this video. Um, but you should definitely check it out. Uh, the the things that I want to parrot from him that he talked about are the there's two important parts about wearing a mask, right? Covering your mouth and covering your nose. So he goes into into depth about the the medical reasons why you want to cover your your face and your nose. If you've got a mask and you're just wearing it under your nose, uh, Dr. Jim Heiss would recommend wearing it over your nose. That's going to help kind of create that seal that's a little bit more protectant for you uh, and a lot more protectant for other people as well. So definitely check that video out. If you've been watching the Door County Pulse weekly videos, uh, I'm going to include it in next week's episode too. So uh, stay tuned for that. It, it is a it is a very funny video as well. So I just I recommend watching it just because it's funny too. Yeah. Uh, but there's some really good information in there as well. Miles, why don't we jump ahead to some other stuff that's coming down the pike? Um, I want to talk about two more events that have been canceled for this year. So first off, earlier in the week, uh, there was an announcement that most of the 4th of July events around Door County have been canceled. And there's a couple of reasons why that is. I think that not a lot of people really read the article that we put out just in terms of like what all went into the decision that was made to cancel 4th of July events. Of course, there's the public safety part of it, right? You don't want to cram as many people, you don't want to cram that many people into one area during this time. Uh, but there's some other things about it too. Can you give me kind of the lowdown on what things went into making that decision to cancel the 4th of July events? Yeah. And I, I guess I would start by like some of the comments that you would see on Facebook of people saying, this is stupid or idiots kind of stuff like that is just like so unnecessary and just uh, honestly dumb. The people who put on those events love those events. Those are some of their favorite days of the year. And if they're making this decision, they're making it out of just a great deal of caution and concern for their neighbors. Anybody who's from up here just basically loves the 4th of July. It's one of the great days of the year. So it's, it's not made without a lot of consideration. One of those things, obviously the public health aspects, you're talking 10 to 20,000 people in the, some of these villages in close proximity without a lot of ability to police that at all. And then when you do that, you're also putting your, you're asking a ton of work from your volunteers, from your local fire departments, your local police departments, your local parks department, and you're putting them in a very uncomfortable situation. And you're asking people to try and police spacing and be respectful in a, in a environment that's is basically impossible to do that. And then you're also taking them away from what might be other health concerns at the time in an era when we're going through a pandemic. And then there's, there's a, Another factor that's that most people don't recognize is these events don't pay for themselves. Like they have to go out and they get a lot of different business owners and individuals to sponsor fireworks and parades and, and a lot of these events that go on for the 4th of July. And they have to raise tens of thousands of dollars to do that. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but I really would not want to be making the call right now and asking a business owner to donate $1,000, $100, $500, when they don't even know where their next dollar is going to come from to pay their own bills. So Right. That is the big thing that I wanted to stress as well. These events are funded through donations from the community and community-owned businesses. And the 
like if, if you're the type of person who's like, why don't you let me make my own decision? If I want to go to the fire, the fireworks, if I feel safe doing that, I should be allowed to, we should have the event. The other part of it then is like, it's, it's asking the community to foot the bill for something that like it, it, it's it's a great thing and, and we love doing it every year but this year specifically it's going to be hard to ask for donations from businesses just in general i would assume uh because of you know w- what we're looking at this season and and the volunteers uh, again this goes back to something i've said many times is when if you, when you're putting on events and i put on eight to twelve a year you're relying on a ton of volunteers most of them i, I would say at least half of them are in that elderly population that are very concerned right now that you can't ask to come out and do this. And as much as people discard it as like, well, the elderly should just isolate and and protect themselves. I can tell you as an event organizer and an employer, if you do that, you're taking away the ability to put that event on. There just aren't that many young people who will do the heavy lifting that that older portion of our population does. So it it becomes really, really difficult and it becomes difficult to plan because if you're planning an event a month out and you're relying on a lot of those volunteers, they might say yes now, but, and so you do all your planning and then two weeks out, if there's some sort of outbreak or something that starts to scare them and they start dropping out, it's, it's really hard to adjust. And I know that as somebody who has very reluctantly had to cancel, postpone and adjust our events for the Peninsula Pacers. Right. Well, and speaking of that, too, I mean, the announcement is going out today that the Door County Beer Fest is changing this year. That's something that you spend a lot of time with. Uh, Kate Shanks in the office spends a lot of time putting that on. Can you tell me a little bit about what in, what went into that decision? Yeah, I mean, just simply a lot of the same dis- thinking that on a smaller scale, honestly, as went into the, the half marathon and these uh, coordinators with the um, 4th of July. With the beer festival, we're putting, you know, anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 people in the brand field uh, behind the Door County Brewing Company. Most of them under a tent, doing a lot of sampling. They bring their glass, they go around, they're sampling beers. There's just a lot of things about it that don't make sense given what we're going through right now. Um, even though it is an outside open air event, we are under the tent. So it's not like you have like perfect ventilation. And like I said, you're doing a lot of sampling with different vendors in the same glass. And right. so without finding a way that we could modify it in in the same celebratory under the tent fashion we've done in the past, um, we, we don't do refunds for the events because so much of the work goes into it beforehand and so much of the expense. So what Dave Elliott and Brian Fitzgerald came up with is to they gathered gift certificates from each of the four Door County Brewing Companies, uh, Door County Brewing Company, Shipwrecked, uh, Bridge Up Brewing, and um, One Barrel Brewing Company. And so now everyone who bought a ticket for that festival will be getting $15 gift cards to each of those places to come. Still try and encourage people to come to Door County, support the local breweries, taste from the local breweries, um, and get even a little more value than out of their their beer fest ticket. So yeah. it's just been a, a modification, but still try to get people to come up and enjoy Door County on their own time and in their own way where right. they feel safe. Um, and so it's it's disappointing, obviously, to, you know, this is our second event this year. So when people talk about, like, this is not an easy, the Pulse office is hit by this in so many different ways. Luckily, not nearly as bad as so many other people have had to who face this in a, in a health way. Um, but yeah, so the beer festival that's in just like the half marathon is postponed till October. We are still very hopeful that we'll be able to do that one. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is a, 
a really interesting and unique way to kind of circumvent this issue. I mean, you're, you're still giving people the opportunity to come up and support local beer. And I think that's great. $15 will get you a flight probably at any one of those breweries. So not a bad way to come up and celebrate in that way. Yeah, we think so. And, and you know, we want to, our events are, are a centerpiece for people's weekends and vacations. So we don't, if, if there's a way we can, we want to encourage people to come back and still do that. Right. Miles, is there anything else that we should talk about today before we jump into your interview here with Brett Bacoy? Uh, no, had a great conversation with Brett Bacoy. I encourage the listeners to stick around for it. He's got some great sentiments on our community and what's so great about it. And also a great program that the Door, community Founda- Door County Community Foundation will be unveiling very soon to help a lot of people in need in Door County. Great. Uh, before we go, Miles, I also just want to say we finally got Dan Egan on the podcast and your interview with him will come out tomorrow. So you guys talked about the water levels on Lake Michigan. I know that you were really excited to finally get a chance to sit down with him for the podcast. So looking forward to listening to that tomorrow. Yeah, really excited to have him on on the podcast. Um, nobody knows the Great Lakes better than Dan Egan. And um, he had some really great stories and insights to share with us. Well, Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Joining me now on the podcast is the big kahuna, Brett Bicoy from the Door <laughs> County Community Foundation. Uh, this is take two of this recording, and yes, Brett, I'm using it both times. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good to remind everybody that I'm from Hawaii. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yes. Brett is actually the president and CEO of the Door County Community Foundation, an organization that touches on a ton of different aspects of the Door County community at all times of the year, all sorts of different funds and charities that kind of get some funds funneled through the Community Foundation does a lot of good in our community, really vital to a lot of different organizations. None more so, never more important than right now during COVID-19 and some of the things that you guys are involved with. But you're also a columnist for us at the Peninsula Pulse, have been writing a column for us for almost a decade, maybe more than a decade. And a couple of weeks ago, you wrote a column about how Door County must stay united as one county and really address this this fissure that's going on here um, about locals and residents on on one side, I guess, and seasonal residents and visitors on the other, and something that's gotten kind of ugly on social media and maybe in in real life for some people too. And I just wanted to talk to you first about about that and and your inspiration for writing this column that kind of addressed why we shouldn't really think of ourselves as an us and them as opposed to this one a community that's lucky to have like this larger community. So. Tell me why, what inspired you to write that column. My wife and I have uh, six children. Uh, we have two of them that are still living at home with us uh, here in Door County, and they're both in high school. Um, but the other four are out in varying places, you know, one in Denver and Milwaukee and Madison and La Crosse. Uh, and one of the unfortunate, nice parts of this uh, crisis is that uh it makes you sort of recognize what's important to you. And so my wife and I have been on a periodic basis uh, having Zoom calls with our children, probably a little more frequently than we would have uh, in normal times. And we were on one of those video calls, uh, you know, a month or two ago and watching our children. And and I just was struck by how much I love my kids. You know, these are just, they're just wonderful people. And, And as we left the call and all sort of went our separate ways, 
I, I felt such an overwhelming joy to have them all in my life, even though uh, only two of them are in my life on a daily basis. The other four kids, obviously, I don't see on a daily basis. Sometimes I can go uh, a week or more, two weeks uh, before uh, I have any kind of conversation with them. Um, and yet I love them all. I love them equally. I love them fully and completely. And when I tell people that, no one would would question that because anybody who's a parent understands that you love your kids completely and fully, whether they're in front of you that day or not. Yeah, what I don't understand is it's easy for us to understand how much I can love my kids, whether they're here with me or not. And yet people seem to be skeptical of the idea that you can't love Door County unless you are here every single day, seeing the county around you every single day. You know, it's possible for someone to not be around Door County every day of the year and still love it as much as those who are around and in the county every day of the year. I have no doubt about that. I work in the world of philanthropy every day and see people whose generosity is simply overflowing. It's a generosity that's not like um, the kind of generosity they're going to show uh, for the community they live at in Arizona or in Florida or anywhere else that they go to warm. They go there because it's warm, but their heart is here. And that's why I felt compelled to remind us of that, that we're all in this together. And though we're not here together all the time, we are in this together because we love this place equally and we're all caring deeply about uh, getting through this together. And that's the, the other part of this is um, because of my role at the foundation and I see so many of the challenges that our community is facing right now, the other simple reality is there's no way we're going to be able to get through this unless we stick together. Everybody who loves this place is going to have to pull a little bit uh, on, on moving us forward. We're all going to have to share the load together. And if we divide ourselves from one another, we're never going to be able to get through this. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. And, and you think about so much of what we, we it, it's such a, a fortunate thing to have is like this larger community that, that cares about you. Like most, if you're from an average small town, maybe the people from your small town care about your hometown, but not many other people do. Like I, I know from growing up here, it's always amazed me. And it took me a long time to realize it myself. Like, why do people care so much about this town that I grew up in? And it takes getting a little older to start to understand that and realize that not everybody comes from a place like this, both the natural beauty, but the, the community that they're drawn to. And it was really, it's been tough to watch some of that get frayed. I mean, it's, um, maybe the one of the best things we have more so than than the natural environment um i think i think the best thing that we have is each other i mean it, it really is it's 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 each other it's the fact that we've all chosen to be here now obviously if you're a seasonal resident you've you've made the, the actual decision to be here in the county at least part of the year but even those who stay have had to make the deliberate decision to stay here because there are easier ways to make a living and more stable income, more a stable lifestyle if you're going to move an hour or two or three down the road uh, than what you would find in Door County. So whether you choose to be here uh, later in life, whether you choose to come here to build a career, or whether you choose to stay and you've been here since the very beginning, there's always an easier way of life somewhere else. And I think that that's the thing we have in common, is we have made the deliberate choice to say, this is my home. You know, it's hard to be in Door County by inertia. You can grow up in Green Bay and never leave and not feel any great passion about it because it's just sort of where you've always been, and it's easy to be there always. 
here, hey, it's not not easy for somebody to make a, a living, particularly with seasonal jobs, um, in in a place like this. You gotta want to be here, and that's our great strength. Well, and in the days after this safer at home, and really as the virus started to spread, and and as we started to write a little bit more about it at the Pulse, and and preparing our local community for it as best as we could, some of the first outreach calls and emails we got were not from locals. It was from people from outside the area calling me or emailing us and saying, I'm worried about Door County. How can I help? Call me yeah. if there's anything I can do. These are people who in California and Florida and Arizona, um, they're up here four or five months a year, maybe for the last 20 years, maybe for a lot longer. But like this is when they thought of when a, when a crisis hit and they thought of uh-huh. helping their home, they thought of Door County, not where they spend those other six or eight months a year. So that, which really is a testament to us. And I, I just hope that um, and, and in defending the people who are who have who have said some things that I maybe disagree with. I get it. I hope that people get a little bit of a pass knowing that, like, all right, everyone's scared right now. Everyone's unsure, yeah. especially early yeah. on. Um, you know, when Door County made that first message to be like, hey, don't come right now. I, I think people from the outside don't understand, like, the pressure that some of these town mm-hmm. town boards and municipalities are under to, to figure out how they were going to handle this. You know, these are small towns that <laughs> these are not professional um, emergency um, responders yeah. on and in running these towns who are used to dealing with massive crisis crises. They don't have um, a crisis team necessarily, so they're trying to figure this out on the fly on a t- in a town of two hundred or eight hundred or even nine thousand like Sturgeon Bay. Yeah, um, I think one of the things we could all benefit from is to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. Let's just, just I, I sometimes I don't understand why we have to as a society ascribe the worst possible motivation to what somebody does that we don't understand. We assume that if you're doing something that we don't understand that they must be doing it for what's the worst possible reason they could be doing it. You know? Yeah. And and I think it goes it's on all sides of this, right? It's I think that you're absolutely right that 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 it's reasonable for somebody who lives here year round to be scared about people coming here and what they might bring in. I, 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 that's, that's not an unreasonable fear to, 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 to think about that. Um, and, and I, I, I wish that our, our, uh, some of the, our seasonal friends sort of looked at it and said, yeah, I, I get why you're scared. But, but on the other side of the question, I also wish that the people who live here year round would be equally as understanding of the desire for when you are most scared, where do you want to go? You want to go home. And for so many of our seasonal residents, home is not Florida. Home is not Arizona. Home is Door County, Wisconsin. They want to come home. Yep. And that's a beautiful sentiment and what gives our community its power and its, and its, and its strength. And so, so let's start from there which is assume that the person on the other side of the equation doing something that I don't understand is not doing it for some nefarious reason. They're doing it because they're trying to make the best of a, of a really awful situation that's going on in this world. And I think if we start there, we would have a lot more patience with each other as we try to figure out how do we do this in the best way. I cannot tell you the number of notes. I've never written anything anything in my life that has gotten more response than the column I wrote for you guys. Um, you know, I, I, on a good day, on a good, on a good time, uh, when I write a column, if I get three people to say something to me, it's like, wow, that was a lot. You know, I mean, I've gotten dozens and dozens and dozens of emails. I've had letters written to me. I've had people call me and, and the number of people who've said, 
um, uh, uh, you know, I thank you for saying that, you know, I don't want to damage Door County. If I come, I promise you, I'm going to bring my own food for the first two weeks. I promise that, you know, I'm going to make sure that I isolate myself, that we're not going to, we don't want to hurt anybody there. I mean, that, it's, it's amazing that people yeah. are saying that to me because they love this place as much as we do. I've, I've gotten a lot of those same types of messages. And, and one of the things that struck me too is, you know, I, I left the county for six years, mm, lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. My parents were still here. Yeah, we still resent you for that, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I'm still a fib <laughs> in some eyes. Um, the, I have some friends who I graduated high school with who have wanted to come back and called me and said, like, are you going to be pissed if I come back? And I, I, it's, it's just interesting what we consider an outsider or not. I'm like, I had never once considered this person an outsider. Mm-hmm. This is someone who grew up here, went to school here, lived here all the way through. And yet now certain certain people have made those people feel like an outsider in the place that they spent their most important formative years and a place that quite honestly, like they would give anything to be able to have their career here and live here and contribute to this community. Um, It's just, it it makes you reevaluate like what counts as a neighbor and what's an outsider versus an insider or local versus a native. And, and does it even matter? You know, like if they care about you, they care about you. And that's, that should be. Yeah. Does it matter? I mean, does it really matter? Uh, how many days or months of the year you happen to be here? You know, if, if you love something, you love it. It's 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 not dependent on how often you see it to determine whether you love it or not. Uh, I love my kids. As I said, I love my kids. I, I don't see them every day. I don't see them for weeks at a time, months at a time, actually. Uh, in some cases, we're actually physically see them, but I still love them. And you mentioned just the same. You mentioned this too. We set up an emergency response fund at the Door County mm-hmm. Community Foundation to help this community get through this crisis. And I believe the number you had in your column was 68%. And this is, I I should preface this. It's not saying that money equates to caring necessarily. It's not saying that money is more important than safety or public health, but it's just a, a perspective that maybe some people don't understand that I maybe take for granted because I've reported on philanthropy and giving up here for so long. But I think it was 68% of the funds at that time that were given to that fund came from addresses outside of Door County or people you knew to be seasonal residents. Do I have yeah. that correct? At least because uh, we went through, uh, I don't, I haven't looked at the numbers for a couple of weeks, but at that time um, we looked at uh, people whose checks were from outside of uh, the County or people that we just sort of knew, oh, yeah, that guy lives in Florida or this time. Even if he get the check happened to have a Fish Creek address, for example. Um, but we know that they're not here right now. Uh, uh, of that, uh, of the total, 68% at that point had come from outside of the county. And the reality is probably higher because um, we've attracted gifts from all kinds of people. And I don't know everybody. You know, the foundation doesn't know everybody who's given money to this. So um, we know at least 68%, and I would bet it's higher. But I think hmm. that – and, and you put an important point. This is not to say that seasonal residents – are more important. They are not. But it is to say that they love this place as much as we do. I mean, by definition, if you are a seasonal resident, we know one thing about you. You have accumulated enough financial wealth in your life that you can afford to live in two places. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not the majority of America, right? I mean, so most of us have to live in only one place. So you would expect to see more coming from uh, from seasonal residents, uh, seasonal residents being able to give more. But you wouldn't necessarily expect to see such a large percentage of a fund that is only helping, only helping year-round residents. 
uh, come from CNO. You know, you can give to an arts organization as a seasonal resident and also enjoy it because you get to use, you get to go to that show, right? You get to, you get to sit in those seats. You get to be a part of, of that, that, that arts organization during the months that you are here. So mm -hmm. there's some logic. Well, yeah, I'm giving to this because I'm also kind of helping myself about the, the, the things that I enjoy. There's not a penny of this response fund that we're collecting that is going to help any seasonal resident. It's all about helping the people that live here year-round, 100% of it, because the seasonal residents don't need the help. And so yeah. that's what I think is such a, a testament to how much our seasonal population appreciates and understands the challenges that are, are being felt right now by those who live and work here year-round, and they want to help. And I, I just think it's a wonderful thing. And I, I think like getting that message, and that's not to say that people shouldn't, we, you know, when the governor puts the safer at home order in and um, ask people not to take non-essential travel, that's not to say that people yeah, shouldn't do those all. things, but you honor what the, what the, whatever the health professionals are telling us that they should be. And I'll tell you that out of all the, out of all of the letters and emails and calls I had, no one has said there and said, well, I'm just going to thwart and ignore the, the, the health advice. I mean, that's not, no one's advocating for that. But but we are saying is that um, don't be so quick to uh, separate yourself from those separate our, ourselves from those of us who live here like me and you year round from those who don't. We are we are in this together. We really we all love this place and we should never forget. That. Yeah. And, and you look at everything from places like Scandia Village to the Door Community Auditorium to the amenities at the hospital. So many aspects of what we enjoy every day year round as residents. I hate to say it, but it's not a lot of local people who are wealthy enough to fund those things. And so many of those things that we get to enjoy are funded and in, in some part given to us by mm -hmm. some of those seasonal residents, including what healthcare capacity we do have to some extent. So um, we can't say this is ours. You don't get it when it like no, most people I know and this is another fortunate thing about being someone from Door County and, and living here now. I, I have not given much money in my life to communities other than my own. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. no, I, I'm not sending money out. Not many people in Door County, I don't think, are sending other money around the state. But people all over the country, like you said, are sending money back here to, to help people out. Um, but anyway. Yeah, was, I'm just amazed by the number of calls I've gotten from the very beginning. What can we do to help? You know what's what what's out there? What what where can where can we give some money? How do we help people that are that are having a tough time? How do we help pe people that lost their job or might lose their home or you know whatever the case may be? How do I put money into this uh, to help them? And that's it's been this this Door County Emergency Response Fund. Um, this is what the, our friends at the United Way have told us. We we, we active. It's a foundation's fund, but we knew from the beginning that this would work best with the expertise of the United Way, and so we we activated it as partners. And um, what they told me, I don't know if this still holds true, but I know at the time uh, when when we last looked at it, that on a per capita basis. Um, our combined emergency response fund on a per capita basis was the biggest in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. And, and, and that's just an incredible thing. Now, I would argue that we're probably going to need it more than most other places in Wisconsin because we all know people who spend all summer working ridiculous hours and using those resources to carry them through the winter. The concern is, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to, to many, a shopkeeper and a, a tavern owner who said the same thing that, you know, our people this summer are probably going to do okay, 
uh, to cover their bills in the summer. But I don't know what's going to happen come fall and winter because they're not going to make enough hours in to make the money to carry them through next winter. So part of what we're trying to budget when it comes to this response fund is not just um, meeting the immediate need of today, but making sure that we're prepared to deal with the the, the problems that continue through the winter. And, and that's really not you know, you go to Green Bay, um, they're going to open up slowly and surely, but there's no, they don't have to wait if they miss a season to the following season. You right. know, we miss the season, which is what's happening. We're going to have, you know, we're going to be dead in the water for a couple of months until until spring of 2021. And that's going to hurt a lot of people if we don't have uh, uh, this response fund and a lot of human service efforts to help. That's that's 18 months of going without kind of your peak income period for a lot of people. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. And that's a great point about Green Bay, you know, like and, and other places is, you know, in Green Bay, they, as of right now, football season still coming <laughs> like those big, yeah. the big influx from from fall football and those events is coming to those bars and restaurants up here. Um, they're, they're, we're, we're potentially missing a chunk of our bell cow if if things go badly. So um, I, and I, I do well, like it's, that. It's clear. I mean, go down the list. Northern Sky Theater, Peninsula Players, Birch Creek. I mean, our Fourth of Julys have already been canceled. I mean, go down the list of things that are draws, that are part of the reason that people come here one after the other, or they're just sort of being knocked off the calendar. And what, what and you guys at, at the Pulse, I mean, I mean, how many events are you affiliated with that are hmm. not happening now? Um, I mean, yeah. How many, uh, Beer Fest, how many people are going to come out there? Are you still doing Beer Fest? Do, you, do you want me to throw up on my microphone, as you said? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, that, what does that mean to everybody in our community? And, and it's not just you guys, but it's the restaurant that you would go to, the hotel you would stay at, the shop that you go shop at. All that stuff, you know, all are affected by the lack of all of these amenities that draw people here. It's it's going to hurt a lot of people, not just this summer, but into winter, especially in winter, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> there's which makes you go like, all right, where, where do I? What do I lean against here? Um, mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, like what you guys are doing, looking forward, taking that step to to see three, six months down the road and have some of that stuff in mind is huge. And so, Brett, one of the, the things about looking forward and down the road and helping people in the long term is what you guys are starting as the Door County Rental Assistance Fund. Um, tell me where that's at and how that program, maybe if you don't have all the details down yet, but how you foresee that pro- program uh, executing. So the the one of the big issues or the two big issues that we're thinking about, we're going to have to deal with not just today, but going through, uh, you know, maybe as much as a year, uh, are, are making sure that people have access to groceries, to food. Uh, one of the great things about that is if we can provide you with a meal or with a bag of groceries, that's a dollar you don't have to spend on a meal or groceries that you can use for other purposes. The other one, and probably the most expensive thing that people are going to face, is making sure that they can continue with their housing. And one of our concerns is as the moratorium on evictions is coming to an end, and as people are burning through their savings, and as people's uh, as the unemployment programs are, uh, you know, the, the, the are winding down in terms of. Uh, uh, the additional federal monies that have come through, we have to be ready to help people out pretty quickly here, as well as carry that forward for potentially into spring of next year. And to that end, um, we it took a while to kind of put the pieces together because it really wasn't a program that existed. This is one of the problems of our uh, of, of being a, a small rural community is that there aren't necessarily um, 
processes and structures in place to offer services that you might already find in bigger cities. So in some cases, we've got to find partners who can put them together for us and and get them to launch it. So on Thursday, the 21st, we will launch publicly the, uh, the, the Door County Rental Assistance Program in partnership with Lakeshore Cap. Uh, it will okay. be a pro- program that allows you, uh, if you've seen a substantial reduction in your family's income and you've been burning through your savings pretty quickly um, as a result of the current uh, health crisis and economic crisis, you will have the ability to apply for assistance in paying your rent. Uh, and there'll be an application process that you will go through. Um, part of the the uh, uh, the challenge for us is to figure out where to set the dial. Um, we want to help as many people as we can, but um, our resources to help them are are limited. You know, this isn't government money here. This is this is private philanthropic dollars that the community has donated and that the foundation itself has sort of put into the pot. There's only so much we can afford to do. So we're going to try and uh, establish it in a way where people will apply. We will sort of say, okay, here's the criteria for today, which is if your income is at X level and your savings is at X level, we can help you with so much money. Um, we'll go through that first go round, see what kind of demand there is, see how much we can afford to do. And the hope is as we begin to get a handle on how big the problem is, we can expand the pool of people we can help. You know, well, maybe we can help people with income levels slightly higher than that, and you know, 50% higher and 100% higher than that number. Um, it's going to be a bit of a, a trial and error to see where we are, but the hope is that we can get money in people's pockets to help them pay their rent. Well, actually, we'll pay the rent for them. So we'll do either part or all of their rent, but that also has a multiplier effect. Because a disproportionate number of landlords in Door County are not some big business coming out of Chicago or out of New York or some big investment company. We don't have gigantic multifamily units. We have some, but it's not like it's, it's, it dominates our scene. Um, a lot of rental units are just people who are other people who live in Door County, and they have one or two or four rental units, and that's part of their income stream. Mm-hmm. So if we can help the people pay the rent, we're also then helping that small business business owner who has a couple of units in the side. It helps, it helps them keep that property whole. So it keeps a lot of that money circulating here in the county in a good way. And, and our goal here is to create a program that not we can't just sustain for today, but hopefully we can sustain um, into spring of 2021 until the season of next year begins. Yeah, you hit on something important there because a lot of people said, well, we should have rent forgiveness or stop rent payments, stop mortgage payments right now as, as people don't have money. But like there are other people who rely on those payments. And, yeah. You know, there's yeah, a lot but, of people. But if, who, stop paying, if you stop, if I stop paying you rent and you own my unit and, and, and this is a, this is, you own two units, you know, while you're, other than your, your full-time job um, uh, and you've got a mortgage on those units and that's part of your retirement plan. Well, then I'm, I'm not just hurt the guy who's the renter. I've screwed another guy in our community. Yeah. But if I can figure out a way to say, look, we're going to get a little money to the renter, which then allows them to pay the rent, you know, and, and maybe there's some forgiveness that's negotiated there. All right, Miles, what would you accept? Would you accept, and if you, you normally you take a thousand a month, could we get you eight, 800 of which the guy can afford to pay 200? So then we'll throw 600 in, you get something, they get some, you know, we're not going to make people whole. 
it's just not going to happen. There's not mm-hmm. enough money around to make this painless. But what we're hoping that we can do is to make it a little less painful so that we can survive the pain and live through it until we can get through to a healthier economy and get through the other side. And people are working together on it. Everyone give a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And starting on the 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 uh, 21st of May, you can go to uh, rentreliefdoorcounty.org, and that will give you information. Right now, if you go there, it's going to say, come back on Thursday, March 21st. <laughs> but but after that date, um, you'll be able to go there, and, and we'll begin taking the applications for the first time. Uh, I apologize in advance for the thoroughness of the application. Uh, part of it is Lakeshore Cap is uh, got a lot of money out of government that funds their greater operations, so they have to have uh, collect certain data. Um, but but know that the money that you'd be getting is not government money; uh, it's it's private philanthropic dollars. So we have the ability to be much uh, more flexible at sort of triaging where you are. This is what the folks at Lakeshore Capital do, and make a decision to say, you know, Miles, we can help you with this way, or you know what, we'll, we'll, we can we can do this for you, and 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 sort of put together hopefully a package to help you stay in your home and and pay at least part, if not all, of your rent. And to be honest, a lot of the and this is something in in the discussions about housing in Door County over the last couple of years that I realize a lot of outsiders don't recognize that a lot of the people who own businesses up here are in precarious housing situations. They're the business owner and they're renting housing or struggling to make a mortgage payment. Or if they're renting, they're struggling to find a place to consistently rent. Like that is a lot of business owners up here. And so we've been fortunate the last couple of years to have some younger families, to have some younger individual business owners move up here and really commit to this community and try to make a go of it. So I'd hate to see us back backstep on that in this crisis and lose some of those great uh, innovative new people who've come up here because they can't afford to live. So a program like this is really the the impact of something like that with rental assistance could go a long way. Um, And we'll never know exactly what it helped people do and and who would help stay here. But um, thank you guys at the Community Foundation for thinking ahead on that and and putting this together. Um, Brett, anything else you wanted to talk about today or um, any other programs that people should know about with the Door County Community Foundation or where to give if they want to give to the Door County Community Foundation right now? Well, the, the best place to make a gift is to the Emergency Response Fund. Uh, and you can do that at responddoorcounty.org. Um, one of our commitments is to sort of put everything out there in terms of uh, how we're going to spend every dollar that comes in uh, to make sure people are aware of it. Uh, the the other big thing that that we've been working on is is partnering with the food pantries to create. Um, this has just happened uh, uh, four days ago, and we formalized the creation of a Door County Food Pantry Coalition. Uh, the 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 Door County Meals Cooperative, uh, which you can learn more about at at uh, uh, doorcountymeals.org, um, that's done a wonderful job with providing prepared dinners all across the county. But eventually that program uh, is going to have to end because the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA, who've been so great at at putting the meals together, are going to have to switch over to summer feeding programs for the lunches for students because the school districts are going to have to end their uh, meal programs with the end of the school year. And so we've got 750 meals a day that are being provided in dinners all across the county, in addition to all of the districts providing their meals um, for the kids during the school day. Um, the 
dinner program is going to have to transition to a lunch program for kids while the school districts go on to, to, to do other things, um, which now means that we're going to have to be prepared to do a better job coordinating our work with food pantries to make sure that groceries are available to people who need it. Mm. And so we worked very hard over the last couple of weeks to launch uh, the Food Pantry Coalition. Uh, and you can learn about that at um, uh, uh, feeddoorcounty.org. And there's like so many .orgs nowadays, I can't keep up with them. <laughs> but uh, feeddoorcounty.org is uh, a, a coalition of food pantries. And what we've tried to do is to, to categorize what's available, where they are. There's one place you can go to get information about all of them. Uh, and it also will have uh, uh, a central way uh, that everybody will act. So the idea was uh, trying to create standard protocols, for example. So one of the things that the pantries all agreed to was if you make a donation of uh, uh, canned goods, um, the protocol is going to be those canned goods get sit in a box for three days before they get put on a shelf and moved into circulation because we don't want to have exposures, right? We all went to non-contactless uh, delivery of – not delivery, but a pickup process for, for the grocery. Trying to create standards of safety. That makes sure everything works. And we also have a standard way to give. So if you go to, to uh, uh, feeddoorcounty.org, you can make a gift to that coalition uh, through the Community Foundation. And the coalition of food pantries themselves will allocate the monies based on wherever the need is. Maybe we find that we need to buy some things um, for the pantries in Northern Door uh, and uh, uh, we have less of an issue perhaps in Sturgeon Bay this week. We can allocate money um, and really it's the pantries themselves as a coalition. That's the beautiful thing about it. The pantries have come together as a coalition now and collectively are going to decide saying where they need to allocate money to uh, that are necessary. And they're beginning to share some resources. I mean, we saw that uh, there were some issues about uh, uh, um, some toiletry products that were available at Lakeshore Caps office in Sturgeon Bay that they didn't have up uh, at one of the pantries in, in uh, Northern Door. So they said, hey, let's get those to you. Uh, and 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 shift some things around, hmm. uh, which is something that's being done for the first time in a real in a real organized pa- uh, pattern. So that that food pantry coalition is meant to take on a lot of the work as the meals coalition, the meals cooperative begins to dial back the meals, and that's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. The changeover and and all that stuff will be announced on Thursday, twenty uh, uh, May twenty first, as to how that's all going to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, all those things you touched on with like meals cooperatives and, and some of the assistance programs. Um, hopefully we we don't see it get much worse. But I, one of my fears is that like, OK, we've kind of gone through the easy part already. Like March mm-hmm. and April, people weren't counting on a ton of money coming in. Now it's a matter yeah. of can like like you talked about all these things that are closed, all these um, nonprofits that won't be putting on their shows. That means people aren't getting paid. Um for some of their services, there's just so many impacts we may not even know um, are hitting us until a month or two down the road, and when we start to see the effects of that. So, think about when the you know what are their Northern Sky Theater has 60 people working for them uh, in the park, uh, in you know in, in varying hours over the summer. Uh, the Peninsula Players have what 100 employees in the summertime, right? Uh, none of that's happening. Right. Go go across the board. But then also, who's going to go and have um, some frozen custard if they didn't go to the show uh, at Northern Sky Theater that day? Right. Who's going to go shopping? And when they didn't go to a Peninsula Players show in the more you know, early in the afternoon and, and go to dinner afterward or whatever the case may be, there, there's going to be some real challenges for us for community. And actually, that's a big part of why we've been patient in many ways. 
we have actually seen, you know, stimulus money came out, uh, unemployment insurance, while it's difficult to get, um, it should be retroactive to the day you apply when you get it. So there's been actually some assistance for people over the first couple of months. It's, I don't want to minimize people's suffering because I, I get that it's out there, but there's federal money that's been available to us that is going to disappear. Mm-hmm. And so we've tried very strategically to say, okay, this isn't so much as a sprint for us. This is more of a marathon. You know, that, that, that federal, no, there's not going to be federal stimulus monies to come out and, and bail out seasonal summer communities that didn't have their season. Yeah. You know, we're on our own going forward. And so we're going to have to more than ever before come together as a community of year-round people, of seasonal people, and, and support one another. We have to be one. We have to stick together. And, but I'm confident that if we can hold together as a community, we can get through this. Well, Brett, thanks so much for that message. And thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, come back and do it again sometime soon. Love to do so. Thanks again for all you're doing, keeping the community informed. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.